This is Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks, where a spirit board conversation sparked our spiritual evolution. I'm Shale. And I'm Cheyenne. And each week, we explore a world where there is much more than meets the eye. So pour yourself a drink and join us as we cheers to a witch in good time. But are you ready? Yeah, I'm kind of nervous. Like, I don't know why. It's like that. I think it's a little imposter syndrome creeping in, but. Yeah, that's fair. Well, now you know how all of our guests feel. Yeah. So you will be great. I'm excited to learn from you and we'll just dive right in. Um, What are you drinking tonight? I am drinking a green tea with jasmine and it just feels sexy and lovely (laughs) yes what are you drinking tonight I'm also drinking tea I'm I know just a black cup of organic earl gray Mm. really basic little lavender little bergamot um earl gray is kind of my go-to comfort tea same even though it definitely has caffeine in it and it's 6.30, so I'm probably going to regret it later, but that's okay. There's just something classic about Earl Grey, though. It feels so British. <laughs> so posh. Right? I'm like, I just feel European, which is <laughs> fun. I'm drinking it out of a Bangkok mug, which is not in Europe or Britain, but that's okay. It's somewhere that's not here. <laughs> so as a quick disclaimer before we get started my little chicken piper she was getting picked on by the other ones come to find out chickens are assholes to each other um yeah chickens like will full-on cannibalize each other well that's what i learned so like they drew blood and so i found out that unless you like separate them that they'll actually like kill them so she's in isolation in here with me so if you hear a little like cooing and stuff in the background that's her (laughs) Oh my goodness, what are you going to do? Are you going to be able to reintroduce her to the flock outside? So here's the thing. This is why this is so complicated. Because it's Colorado, right? And we have fake spring like nine times before actual spring. And so we finally finished the coop. And like the day we moved them out, they were out there for a night. And then we got a whole bunch of snow and really cold temperatures again. So we're like, well, they've been used to 70 degrees in the house feels kind of rude <laughs> to just make them acclimate. <laughs> so the day before, or like the afternoon we were going to bring them in, that's when we realized that they were all picking on Piper. And so we have three chickens in the box that they were in normally. And then Piper is in here with me in a little dog kennel. So we're hoping we'll just get to where she's all healed up and then we can put her back outside. And hopefully they won't be assholes to her anymore. But I don't I don't really know what to do. So if there's people who have chicken bullying advice, I'm all ears. Yeah, I'm very curious to follow this saga. We'll have to keep our listeners up to date on your chicken drama. Well, and so what I've what I've learned too is that usually it's just one of them that has kind of like the hierarchy and establishes herself and if you can figure out who that is you can isolate her for a couple of days and then she gets like knocked back down on the pecking order and has to start all the way over so if we can figure out who the queen mean girl is 
we can hopefully <laughs> they're Regina George of the flock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So to be do uh, to be uh, continued, <laughs> we'll let you know how it goes. Aww. Poor Piper. I know they're picking on her because she's the runt and has the coolest hair. She does have cool hair. But anyway. So we are introducing a new episode today, friends, that I'm very excited for you all to hear and for us all to experience together. Um, we are putting one of our hosts in the hot seat as interview guest today because our lovely Shale is doing an herbal apprenticeship right now. And we have so many budding herbalists in our listenership that we're going to dedicate a couple episodes a season to herbalism and a specific herb and just all sorts of good stuff that Shale has ready for us. So yeah, without further ado, welcome to Shale's Herb Corner. Hey, I'm so excited. I'm a little nervous too. I think with anything, you know, Shine and I have multiple times expressed the fact that we're not experts in anything, but we're always on a continual journey of learning. Um, and so this is part of that. And uh, as I learn and as I'm on this journey, I want to share it with you all and that <laughs> I can hear Piper <laughs> and that especially applies to the green witch or plant medicine path. I feel like because herbalism and plant medicine was always one of those things that was for the community. It was never meant to be, you know, something that was purely for profit or for elitists to have access to and no one else. It was really Plants are our one true gift on this earth that are for everyone. And so part of that and part of this resurgent and reclaiming of, of the witch is to share this knowledge with others. And so I'm very excited and honored to have the opportunity to do that with our little family here. Yay. So how are we going to start this episode? I've heard rumors that we might have a unique tarot drop. Today. Yeah. So... <laughs> I am not quite the tarot queen that Cheyenne is, but I will hope to do a little bit of justice. But yes, we thought it'd be fun. Um, I have a, it's called the Spirit of Herbs deck. It's a um, herbal tarot deck. And so we just thought it would be really good to combine with these episodes. And so it is by Michael Tierra and Candice Canton, who are both um, energy workers and natural practitioners, as well as herbalists themselves. And it really is um, based on the Smithwaite deck, but has a little bit of an herbal flavor to each card. So that's what we're going to use to start this off with. And awesome! I can't shuffle cards. <laughs> I, really, <laughs> I really want to get good at it. I've literally, honestly, I have sat at tables probably after one too many beers several times and just sat there for hours and tried to learn how to shuffle and usually just ends in a flurry of cards all over the place. So you won't get the sexy asmr tarot sound. <laughs> Perfect. There you go. <laughs> we'll fake it. But I am excited to draw our first card. Yes. Piper's excited too. <laughs> I love it. And we have drawn the Page of Swords, and the herb associated with it is dill, which I love. Oh, my dill. God. <laughs> I love dill. So because I'm still also very new to tarot, we're going to reference the guide that comes with this deck. 
Page of Swords, I'm curious, I'm curious to see the interpretation from this deck because this is a card that I've been drawing in my personal life a lot. And I feel like the messages here are very relevant for both this new venture of Herb Corner and just where we all kind of are at in life. I heard from a lot of our listeners after our episode with Sterling Moon, um, just how much that Four of Cups resonated with everybody. And I feel like Page of Swords is going to do that. And you know what's so funny is anytime I do a tarot drawing, whether it's for myself, well, it's 90% of the time it's for myself, but I almost always, I would say 99.9% of the time, draw something from the suit of swords. So it only makes sense that when I'm doing this this time around, that that's what I would draw. (laughs) So the page of swords um, in the book, it says the young page is ready to make a new start with fresh ideas and thoughts. He will sweep away the encumbrances such as depression and negative thoughts and will make himself ready for change and new possibilities. I'm dying at Piper. (laughs) She's so good. She's just like cheering me on over here. (laughs) He is like a breath of fresh air that blows away the clouds that have obscured your thinking. He is your own inner child ready to learn something new. He is a free thinker and is ready to make inroads to a new reality for himself. The page must watch that he doesn't dissipate his energy on erratic compulsive thinking, which can turn into thoughtlessness and spiteful behavior. He must not become so opinionated or fixed with his ideals that he blows everyone else away with arguments and debates. And so the spiritual properties of Dill is that Dill has the capacity to bring focus and attention and thoughts. It enables the user to bring out and show the world his or her inner reality and spiritual aspirations. It will calm the air element and help one to digest new thoughts coming through. Well, I feel like that is freaking relevant. Hell yeah. Page <laughs> of Swords is all about that. That fearlessness, adaptability, like just things breaking open and becoming clear and new adventures. I love all these new adventure cards because I just feel like every single episode we're embarking on a new adventure in some capacity. And it's just really fun to watch this space grow through these card pulls as well. Yeah. And it's actually really funny because for those who have been listening for a while, they know that I have an aspiration to start an herbal business of my own one day. And lately I've just been really contemplating the concept of using business for good, or how can you create a model that isn't just about profit, right? How can we be anti-capitalist in a way with our, with, with business these days, because really society tells you that it's impossible, but there is a world where we can live in, where you can have both. You can give back to your community, but still make a living. Right. And I've been really intrigued by that concept. And, um, for those who might be familiar in the herbal world, I'm just obsessed with Asia Suler. I just think she's a wonderful person and hopefully we'll be on our podcast one day. (laughs) Um, but I've been taking her, uh, business as a spiritual journey course, and it really kind of takes the elements of seeing your business as a form of consciousness. And it's a partnership that you develop. And really, when I think about it, this podcast is something like that too. I I genuinely believe this podcast has its own consciousness and came to us at the time it was meant to, and has been a partner to us. It's not just something we've created, but something we've like connected with energetically speaking. Yes, I completely agree. I feel that same way. It's a living, breathing entity. All it really is. And and when you fight that concept, 
you you almost set yourself up for failure because it's like it's like building a friendship, right? You're you're building something or a partnership with this entity and really it's about getting to learn their personality and who they are. So Oh, well, exciting. Okay, well, let's just, let's go for it. What are we talking about today? What is our herb of the week? It is mugwort. So I just felt like mugwort is one of those herbs that's just super witchy and loved by herbalists and people on the green path. And it just made sense to start with this lovely little herb that has just like stolen my heart. So the way that we're going to kind of do this is um, I am obsessed with storytelling and getting to know the herbs for for beyond just their medicinal or magical properties, but kind of understanding where they show up in folklore or um, common historical uses of the herb as well. So we'll explore that in addition to talking through the more obvious parts of what you can use them for. But before we jump in, um, I did want to give a quick disclaimer uh, in that I just want to let people know for future episodes, including this one, that I will describe the herbs as they are known in my lineage and tradition. So that's primarily indigenous European traditions, such as um, British Celtic traditions, Germanic and Norse and Scandinavian lineages. And the purpose for that is that Western herbalism in particular has done a lot of appropriation and oftentimes straight up theft of plant knowledge from um, indigenous and African traditions primarily. And as we've talked about several times on this podcast, I think um, when we make an effort to truly learn about our own lineage, it can bring immense healing in addition to avoiding additional uh, appropriation or causing of harm. And so I feel like part of my herbal journey is also learning the ways of my ancestors. And I think collective healing comes from that. But also wanted to let folks know that as we move into future episodes and seasons that we absolutely want and have plans to elevate herbalists of other traditions and lineages on this podcast. So when you hear from me, it'll be my lineage, but we definitely want to bring in the perspectives of other practitioners as well. Yay. I'm so excited. And then a, Second quick disclaimer is I tend to use the term she (laughs) when describing plants. And I just want to make sure that people know that it's not meant to be used in the gender binary sense, but more so energetically. Um, And I feel like most plants embody feminine energy or, you know, I tend to describe a lot of beings in the natural world with feminine energy, particularly things like the moon. So just wanted to also throw that disclaimer out there as well. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into mugwort. So mugwort is part of the Artemisia family. And so the scientific name of mugwort is Artemisia vulgaris. And so plants that are part of the Artemisia family are might be might be some that you actually know pretty well already. Um, so those are things like wormwood, French tarragon, sagebrush is actually very closely related to mugwort. And even white sage is also part of the Artemisia family. So So people could say burn mugwort in place of white sage for a similar effect. Yes, absolutely. So and I'm actually going to touch on this a little bit, but mugwort is a incredibly sacred herb to the indigenous European tradition and lineages. And as a matter of fact, it's been described 
as actually being just as sacred or equivalent to um, white sage that was used by the indigenous peoples of North America and has very similar properties. Awesome. One second, I'm covering up Piper. So she's like, not as we can know. <laughs> Apparently chickens are like parrots. If you put a blanket over them, they go to sleep. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how I yeah. react too. <laughs> so some fun things to know about mugwort uh, as far as its historical use is that it's thought that it was actually used as an additive in beer predating the use of hops. So when we're thinking from a Midnight Marg's perspective, mugwort fits in just well. <laughs> um, and it's actually thought that uh, the term mug in mugwort comes from the fact that it was used, it was used in beer, which is originally drank from a mug. Um, so mugwort, there you go. Uh, it's also been used in other ways throughout history as a replacement for similar types of things. So during World, World War II, it was used as a replacement for tea and sometimes tobacco, um, since a lot of those things were not accessible or were highly rationed. Mugwort kind of stepped in and filled that role a little bit, even if it didn't have quite the same effects, but it gets the job done. <laughs> All right. So tell me about the magical aspects of this herb. What are some of those folklore traditions? Yeah. So mugwort is something that shows up in very, very ancient times for sure. Um, and so as we kind of already touched on, it is an incredibly sacred herb. It has a lot of the same properties as white sage and is known for uh, being protective and a cleansing type herb, but some interesting ways in which it shows up in folklore. A couple of these I, I pulled from a resource called Remedy Grove. Mugwort was actually used by Roman soldiers as it was thought to prevent the tiring of their feet. And I actually, um, I believe it was in Scott Cunningham's book on magical uses of herbs, uh, but it's thought that if you sprinkle mugwort in your shoes, that it can actually help increase your endurance on a run or help you feel stronger. So funny story, as part of the apprenticeship that we are doing, we were asked as one of our projects to put together a herbal first aid kit. And so I made my first aid kit for my upcoming marathon that I want to do. And so I used mugwort as part a, of a um, body powder or like a deodorizer powder to put into my shoes um, to help get some of that magical aspect for when I have a future race. <laughs> and then in Norse folklore, it was believed that mugwort was an herb giving, given to us by the god Odin. And as a matter of fact, it kind of trickled into the Anglo-Saxon nine herbs charms um, and was listed as muckwort, I think is how you would pronounce it. It's spelled... M-U-C-G-W-R-T. So there's literally one vowel in that word. <laughs> and it is the herb that is considered the oldest of all herbs. So something that mugwort is really known for, especially magically speaking, is that it is the herb of the feminine or the herb of women. And in Greek mythology, 
Um, it shows up very, very prominently and was thought to have been blessed and given to a gift, given as a gift, excuse me, to women by the goddess Artemis. Um, and so for people who are familiar with the Greek goddess Artemis, um, she is very connected to the moon and lunar energy. She is the goddess of the hunt. She is the goddess of nature. Like when I picture Artemis, I really think of her as like that woodland fairy. <laughs> um, she is very nurturing and uh, is, is really prominent in the natural world. And so she also would provide uh, comfort or even death to women in childbirth. And it's really interesting because Artemis is so connected to the moon, but mugwort is also, it just has a strong affinity for lunar energy. And um, I do recommend that if people drink mugwort, if they're going to infuse it, to infuse it under the moon to heighten those, those um, properties in, in your body. Very cool. Yeah. And, and mugwort I is love also, a little moon magic, right? <laughs> and mugwort is also connected to uh, other powerful feminine deities, including Diana, which is the Roman equal of the Greek goddess Artemis and also Hecate. And uh, as we know, both of them are also patrons of herbalism and midwifery. So diving into mugwort as an herb and the uses of mugwort, so in magical speak or in the witchy world, mugwort is the herb of the triple goddess. So um, as we kind of touched on, it is very in tune with the cycles of womanhood. Um, so it really does have an affinity for all phases of that from um, the maiden to the crone. It's very connected to the moon. Uh, it tends to have feminine energy. And for those who are interested in the alignment between herbalism and astrology, the planet that's associated with mugwort is Venus, which of course makes sense when it's so connected to feminine energy. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and I want to talk a little bit about energetics. And so since this is the first herb corner, I'm going to do my best to try to explain herbal jargon or terminology that exists in this world. And so uh, each herb has such things as energetics, actions, and uses. And so energetics of an herb, and I'm going to use the, the definition from the Herbal Academy of New England because I think it's just the best. But the way that energetics can be described is that it has a threefold meaning in herbalism. So it describes the energetic properties of an herb as they act in the body. Um, so what this means is, for example, if an herb is drying, you can kind of picture how that acts in your body. So it might be something that dries your pores or, you know, if you have a lot of um, mucus in your system or something like that, it can kind of help counteract what's going on in your body. And in kind of my Celtic tradition, you can think of the energetics as being associated with the uh, different elements. So Things tend to be drying or things that tend to be drying are usually uh, associated with either fire or air energy. Obviously, things that cause more mucousy or lubrication in your body, those can be thought of as more water-like in your body. The second meaning of energetics in herbalism includes the energetic qualities of a condition or imbalance. So similar kind of thing. This, this shows up in a lot of different herbal traditions, including such things as Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine. 
but it can be thought that if you have too much of an energetic element in your body, such as the fact if you have too much water in your body, for example, that might lead to things like congestion buildup or um, different types of, of issues like that. And then the third is the energetics of a person. So I think uh, we can we can relate to this. So if somebody has a short temper <laughs> or tends to snap easily, uh, that might be somebody who has a lot more fire in their system. Um, or if you think of somebody who's just very laid back and chill, uh, that can be somebody who's more grounded. They might be more of an earth-based constitution. So the which one are you? You know, I I go back and forth on this all the time, <laughs> um, and I studied yoga back in college and in Ayurveda, and I'm still kind of learning what this means for me in my indigenous European traditions. But um, I think I'm a very airy person. I I am flaky as all get out. I will admit it. Um, I have a hard time being grounded. I'm often described as having my head in the clouds or being dreamy a lot. So I definitely think I have a lot of air in, in my bodily makeup, but I also think I have a decent amount of fire because your girl can get pissed off at the drop of a hat. <laughs> definitely have a little you can throw down with the best of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I can definitely be a little temperamental and, um, quick to react to things. So I think I'm a little bit of both of those. How about you? What do you think you are? I'm probably more heavily airy. Mm -hmm. I, I can get back to the ground though. Like I can, I can force myself to come back and ground a little bit, but I spend a lot of time in the air. I spend a lot of time daydreaming. I spend a lot of time thinking about the future. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and I'm very non-confrontational. So fire, I think I have fire in certain aspects, but I'm a, yeah, I would say probably more guided by air. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally the same way, but that's the beauty of, that's something I really love about herbalism too. Um, and holistic medicine or lifestyles in general is that just because we have this kind of basic makeup in ourselves doesn't mean that we can't find ways in which to find balance. Right. And so for people who like, who are like us that tend to be very airy things that are suggested to help kind of counteract that is to find groundedness. So I do think on one hand, it's one of the reasons why I struggle personally so much with things like meditation, because it's hard for me to just sit still and allow my mind to just be. But, you know, if you make a frequent routine of those kinds of things, it can help kind of downgrade how much airiness is in your system and help kind of elevate the earthiness that you need and your body craves. You just don't really know it. <laughs> yeah, um, that's really fascinating. I'm going to have to be more mindful and just pay pay a little bit more attention to that. Yeah. You know, I've always been somebody who was like kind of adverse to things like routine. Cause I'm like, Oh, how boring. <laughs> but I realized that I actually kind of thrive when I can have a little bit of a routine to my day. Um, and that I definitely feel less kind of out of control or anxious when I'm more aware of that. And those are kinds of things that can help counteract it as well. So for those airy people out there, establish a routine. <laughs> Yes. You know, it's funny. Um, I'm, I don't know if it's just because I feel like talking about this all the time. So I just need to draw attention to myself because that's who I am. 
Um, hello, Libra Leo Scorpio. Um, but I'm learning French right now. And I'm doing a designated at least 20 minutes a day. I'm trying to do more than that. But I my lessons are a solid 20 minutes. And I can go over that if I want to and do, you know, bonus quizzes and other vocabulary work. But having that like timer go off that specific time, like this is my time to sit down and practice French. And that's the only thing that matters right now, because I will be penalized if I do not finish this. And maybe that's my problem is I'm good at routines. If there's a consequence. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And my consequence is I lose some of my progress, right? I like logging into my lessons and seeing that I'm on a 13 day streak or whatever, you know, but I think it's funny where we, where we implement routine, where we maybe don't feel like it's routine. I feel like routine is one of those things that we can always, you know, convince ourselves or think that it's really basic and boring, but um, you can slip a little bit of excitement into those daily rituals too, with something like an herbal practice or learning a language, like something that you're passionate about. That's not really, you know, necessary life or death wise to your existence, quote unquote. Right. Yeah. And it's so funny you say that too, because I try to establish routine a lot and I'm always happy when I do, but for some reason it takes such a concerted effort to continue the routine. So I've tried millions of times to have a morning routine where I get up and I do yoga because I love moving my body and it makes me feel so good. But when the alarm goes off the next day, I have to fight myself to do it. It's so funny, even though I know that the the effects are going to be wonderful and I'm going to not regret it. I don't know why it's so hard. (laughs) Sometimes bed just feels really good, but I usually always regret days that I let myself Mm -hmm. sleep in unless I like desperately need it. But if I went to bed at a reasonable hour and I'm just being lazy about it, I always spend most of my day feeling rushed. Right. And just like, I can't quite catch up. And so, yeah, there's, it's hard. I mean, habits, are hard to form and they take time. Um, And it's really easy to fall off the bandwagon, right? Like you can get in a great routine and then you go on vacation for a couple of days and you stop it. And then it takes you a full month when you get home to get back on that practice. But man, if you can, if you can lock one down, it's really beneficial. Yeah. So all you earth-based people out there, give us some tips. How do we, how do we create a routine? (laughs) I can already tell you that my number one tip is just that I need to get off of TikTok. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love you, TikTok, but man, you're a suck hole. <laughs> oh, golly. You you know, just look at a couple when you first wake up and then suddenly it's 8.30. And right. Like, oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. I got up at six so I could do this routine and I've done nothing. <laughs> Speaking of TikTok, follow us on TikTok at Ouija Boards Midnight Margs and you can be in a suck hole with us. <laughs> yes. All right. So the next kind of, all right, I guess we didn't really talk about the energetics of mugwort. So um, mugwort in our body is drying and warming. So um, if you are feeling like you have a little bit too much like water in your system or, or need kind of that, um, that purging, I guess, uh, and these energetics can really help in that regard. Um, So the second element that we want to talk about with mugwort are herbal actions. So these are what actually occur in your body or the effects that an herb has within our system. So 
For example, the actions of mugwort include bitter antioxidant. It actually acts as a mild nervine. So nervine is a fancy herbal term for uh, having an impact on our nervous system. So anything that is classified as a nervine actually contributes to um, alleviating imbalances or issues with our nervous system. So things like anxiety or depression or stress, um, these types of herbs can really help support those. Mugwort is also known as an amenagogue. I always struggle to say that word. And so that's another fancy herbal word for meaning it can help regulate bleeding. So if you are somebody who menstruates, it can help regulate that if you have a, a period that shows up a little bit late or um, just doesn't seem to be regular, this can help bring that back into balance. Um, so the parts of mugwort that are used are known as soft parts. So soft parts are things like leaves and sometimes stem, depends on kind of the plant, but uh, it's opposed to hard parts, which would be things like roots or barks or something like that, that tend to be a little bit tougher to break down. So in mugwort, you can use both. You can use the leaves or you can use the root. I haven't really worked with mugwort root a whole lot myself personally. I tend to use the leaves. And mugwort is such a special, I get all giggly about it, but it's such a special little herb in that it has definite leaves, but when it's dried, it's like this cute little fluffy fluff. I don't know how to describe it any more than that, but it just, it feels like a little pillow. Um, and it's actually kind of funny when I was grinding the, mugwort to add to my body powder that I made for my little kit, you know, I could really grind the, the dried leaves really, really well, but I found myself having to pick out the fluff um, to be placed back in my jar, which I could use for tea and stuff later. But that stuff just, it would not grind down into powder. It was literally like trying to take cotton and grind it into powder, if that makes sense. <laughs> Interesting. That's really cool. Yeah. So... Um, some specific uses of mugwort. So again, I keep touching on this, but it really is an herb that is meant for um, like feminine reproductive systems. So it can be used as a reproductive tonic. And so tonic is another term in the herbal world, which means it is um, incredibly nourishing or can be used kind of daily for getting the adequate um, minerals and vitamins into your system. So um, it, it really does help support our female reproductive systems. And so it can help things like alleviating menstrual disorders. It can help with avoiding things like miscarriage, abnormal bleeding, or even if you're somebody that has very painful, slow, um, sluggish menstrual cycles, this can be an herb that is incredibly supportive for that. Other uses of mugwort include things like support for indigestion, upset stomachs, um, any of those weird things that are going on in the tummy. <laughs> and it actually can help support things like muscular pain and rheumatism. So you can use it in a bath um, or as a soak or even infusing it in oil to help kind of alleviate some of those, those symptoms that occur in your body. And as we mentioned a little bit earlier, it is, an, is a mild nervine, so you can use it for support for things like anxiety or um, depression. So you can use mugwort in a bunch of different ways. Uh, the most common way to use it is probably in a, in a tea, um, but you can really use it several different ways, such as um, 
smoking it. So as we mentioned earlier, Cheyenne, I think you mentioned this, that you've burned mugwort as a, a cleansing tool, but it can actually be added to an herbal smoking blend and used the same way in that regard as well. I love to use it for cleansing as an herbal smoke cleanse or use it as an incense. Um, and as we mentioned a little bit earlier, you can use it in an oil and other beautiful ways to use it is in a tincture form. So a tincture is really just kind of in um, extraction of herbal properties, usually in alcohol, but you can use other types of, it's called a menstruum, which is the liquid that is used to extract the um, medicinal properties of an herb. So you can use things like apple cider vinegar. Um, glycerites are really yummy. Uh, that's one of my favorite ways to use mugwort is I have a glycerite. Oh, what's her name? Roots Medicine Gardens. So one of my favorite ways to use mugwort is in a glycerite that I take before bed. And we'll touch on this a little bit, but one of the most profound um, magical aspects of mugwort is that it is thought to enhance your dreams or help promote dream work or psychic visions. And so I have this really beautiful glycerite that I purchased from a local um, practitioner here. She goes by roots underscore medicine underscore garden. So we'll definitely make sure to put her information in the show notes. But um, it's a really tasty glycerite that she made uh, with mugwort and holy basil and a bunch of other really yummy things. And I swear to you, every time I take it, I have the most vivid, clear dreams. I will take it when I'm really wanting guidance because I think we've mentioned this on the podcast before, but um, I really do feel like herbs come to me a lot in my sleep. And that's where I do a lot of learning outside of just working with them one-on-one -on -one during the day. But I feel like the more spiritual aspects of my work with plants comes through in my sleep and in my dreams, which is really interesting. <laughs> um, so for people who may not know, can you explain what a glycerite is? Yeah. So a glycerite is similar to a tincture. So you would use the material. Usually it's like a vegetable glycerite. It's like a, oh, it's, it's like not like jelly. It's a little bit like that. <laughs> but it's another way to extract medicinal properties. It doesn't um, necessarily do as good or as um, it's not nearly as strong as you would get in an um, alcohol tincture, but you can still uh, get quite a few really amazing properties and it just tastes yummy. It's really sweet. And um, you know, alcohol-based tinctures tend to be very strong. <laughs> right. But yeah, definitely something to try. So the next thing that we want to talk about for this little herb corner is the part you're probably all waiting for, let's be honest, but the magical properties of mugwort. And so in the green witch world, we refer to this as materia magica. Um, and so in the herbalist world, what you would call basically where you compile all of your herbal knowledge. So if you're really studying an herb, you would place them in what is called your materia medica. And so that's just fancy Latin for a book where you place all of your notes. <laughs> <laughs> a notebook, how quaint. Yeah, so it's kind of a fun twist on it, but to call it a materia magica. So the herb mugwort is, I think, the most profound magical aspect of mugwort is the fact that it does 
really awaken your psychic ability and your intuition. It evokes vivid dreams. Um, so a way that we could use that in addition to a glycerite or taking it as a tincture or a tea before bed is um, a really common use for mugwort is to create a dream pillow. So um, sewing together a little pillow and stuffing it full of mugwort. You could also add other herbs like lavender and things like that that can help you sleep. But placing that under your pillow when you sleep can really help to kind of connect with the herb, but also help invoke those vivid dreams. Or if you have a question or are seeking to do sleep time uh, or dream time divination, that's a really great way to work with, with mugwort. It is used to cleanse spaces. Uh, it can also help in uh, aiding in meditation. In addition to cleansing your space, you can use it to cleanse your divination tools. So you can pass mugwort um, smoke over your pendulums or your crystals or whatever else you are using in your practice to help cleanse the energy. It's also a very protective herb. So in addition to cleansing your space, energetically speaking, it can also help to um, prevent such things as negative energy or negative spirits, um, people trying to place negative energy upon you. So making like a little charm bag or placing mugwort around your home can help to balance the, the energy in your space. And then last but not least, mugwort is used to increase lust and fertility. So for all you lover people out there, this might be a really useful herb for that. Um, oh, I just had a question. What was it? Oh, it's a very basic question, actually, and goes back to just simple, like gardening 101. If you want to work with mugwort, like where does this grow? Is it easy to grow? Is it something you're going to buy at your local apothecary or botanica? Like how are we getting our grubby little mitts on this? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So mugwort is super easily accessible um, and there aren't any like harvesting issues that I know of or sustainability issues. So some herbs might have those problems. I don't think any that we're really going to talk about will have that. But if you go to a local apothecary, you can definitely find mugwort. I can almost guarantee it. Um, it does grow wild in North America. But of course, if you're going to wildcraft anything, make sure that you are very well educated on the plant that you are seeking. Um, I always recommend going out with somebody who is very knowledgeable because you don't want to accidentally pluck something that will kill you. <laughs> and if you are wildcrafting, just a quick note. Uh, please do so respectfully. Ask permission before you take any plant from their environment. You will know, um, you know, even if you're not somebody who communicates with plants frequently, you'll know if it's okay to take it or not. You'll hear it in your mind's eye. And then never take all of the plant from one area. So if you come across a cluster of mugwort, don't take all of it that's there. You always want to leave. You know, I, I think I think in the herbal world, People talk about only taking 10% of any plant that's there to make sure that it continues to thrive. And we should only ever take what we need. We shouldn't take things out of greed. Um, so you can find it wildly and it's super easy to grow. As a matter of fact, I have some growing just started. They're sweet little teeny tiny babies <laughs> um, that are under my grow light as we speak. And it's very interesting because mugwort, when you look at it visually, it grows into kind of a bush and has these like very profound leaves. 
and grows pretty large, but their seeds are literally like dust. They're almost invisible when you pull them out. So I would say plant them in something where you can kind of sprinkle some into the container because it's literally impossible to only pick out one seed unless you're moving. <laughs> Yeah, so you can definitely grow it yourself, pick it up at an apothecary or go find it out in the wild. Um, have you ever found it here, like in the wild? I have not. Um, and to be honest, I haven't really seen mugwort that much in person. This is actually the first year I've even really grown it. So I'm very okay. curious to to even kind of build a relationship with it, getting to know it. And I, I don't think I could tell you what it looks like out in the wild at this point in time. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's totally fair. Well, I probably um, come so across I, it, but just didn't even know it. <laughs> didn't know what it was, for sure. Um, so I want to go back on something you've mentioned um, regarding wild crafting. Since this is our first herb corner, can you give people more of a, you know, basic definition? Like wild crafting, what is it? Yeah. So wild crafting in its most basic form is literally harvesting a plant from the wild. So if you were to go out into the forest and find a plant and remove it from that environment, that's what we would refer to as wild crafting. Um, you could also think of it as like foraging is another term we use pretty frequently. Um, so are those totally interchangeable or is wild crafting with more of an intent? I'm just curious if there's... Oh, that's a reason why you would use either one. You know, when I think about it, I've never even really thought about it. That's a great question. But I think, I think when you break it down, wild crafting, I feel like maybe refers more to the pursuit of medicinal plants specifically or herbs, whereas right. foraging is maybe more for like pursuing foods, wild foods or like berries or stuff like that. So I think that's probably kind of the distinction between the two. If, if it was up to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like that distinction and that definition. Plus, I just, there's something about the term wild crafting. Doesn't that just make you feel like a green witch? Oh, it's so whimsical. Right? <laughs> like you just picture. I feel like you should have a flower crown. Yeah. Be in like a field of wildflowers. Just like everything smells honeysuckle. You're under the moon, just like being your most authentic self. Like I just, I love the term. Yes. Oh, this is so fun. I love getting to learn about this with you. Um, you can really just feel that passion shine through. And I think all of our little green, which listeners are going to love this. I really hope so. And yeah, I don't know if, if plants feel just like my children or something. <laughs> I just love talking about them. And uh, there's something, you know, we talk a lot of, uh, we talk a lot about it in our herbal apprenticeship, but Connecting with plants feels like remembering and it brings us back to the state of remembrance because at one point we all used to be wild, right? And, and for some reason we lost that. And what I really love about learning herbalism is that it makes medicine available to us all. And especially in a country where our, our healthcare systems are so broken and so much needs to be done learning this feels not only like an act of resistance, but in a way it's, it's to ensure the vitality of us all. And there's no reason that people shouldn't be able to learn these skills. And as a matter of fact, I fully encourage people to, and while it's beautiful to support herbalists or support, support herbal companies and all of that, 
any herbalist will say, at least the ones that I really admire and follow will say that they really want people to learn how to do these types of skills, how to make your own herbal medicine, because there could be one day where it's no longer accessible. You know, like there's, there's always kind of this like tension, I guess, for lack of better terms between like the pharmaceutical industry and herbalism and whether or not things like herbalism will start to be regulated and become less accessible to people. And if that ever happens, that will be absolutely devastating. And I really hope it doesn't. But it's important for us to know these skills in case there's one day where you might not be able to just go down to your local apothecary and pick up what you need. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's an important conversation to have whether you feel called to this kind of work or not. It's like basic survival skills, mm-hmm. right? Like this is important for people to know. Yeah. And, and you know, like um, herbalism tends to get that bad rap, I guess, of being an alternative science or a pseudoscience or something like that. But we need to remember that for thousands of years, we survived off of our relationship with plants and they really did provide healing and connection and all of these things that I feel like we really long for these days. Um, And so just to remember that, that they're our oldest teachers and our oldest friends, and they've been alongside us all this time. And we don't want to forget that. Yes. Um, Okay. So I want to do a little manifesting. Okay. While we are still here. What? Um, sorry, let me rephrase that. Not what, (laughs) (laughs) or maybe what, I guess, what do you, what is this dream for herbalism? What is this dream for owning your own apothecary? Let's like speak it into existence. When do Mm -hmm. we, um, how, what do we want to come from this herbal apprenticeship and from this space and from this collection of fun, weird, witchy people, on the internet. Like, how can we all support you in this endeavor too? Oh my gosh, that's so sweet. Yeah. And you know, I think that's something I've been wrestling with for a while now is I do, I do really want to have the opportunity to share this with the world in addition to um, just selling products, right? Like I, I, I'm so passionate about providing this education or awakening people to the beauty that is plant medicine. And so I don't really know what that looks like yet, but I have a dream of, you know, having my own little brick and mortar herbal shop where it just smells lovely. We have essential oils going of the smell of the herbs and there's just a wall of bulk herbs that people can choose from. And we do classes and have coffee and tea and there's a little community built around it and that as much as we receive from our community, we give back and that we help support those who need it the most through herbal medicine and through holistic health and just community and friendship. Yes. So mote it be. Yeah. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> I love that. Well, th- no, this is, this is an exciting chapter to be along for the ride on. Um, it's lovely to witness just in the last couple of months too. And even just since you've begun this herbal apprenticeship, how much your um, just passion is shining through. 
um, how much knowledge you've gained in such a short amount of time. And yeah, it's just, it's always inspiring to be around people who are chasing their dreams. So I'm excited that we get to experience this with Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, I, I've mentioned her name, but I do think she deserves a much more profound shout out. But the teacher that we are all working with, her name is Tanya Reikley, and she is this beautiful, witchy, lovely woman who uh, she spends half her year here in Colorado and half her year over in Ireland. And she's very true to learning the ways of our ancestors and remembering. And she brings out the wild in us. And she's just a beautiful, beautiful person and an incredible teacher. And if you all get the opportunity to take her apprenticeship, I can't recommend it enough. We've been fortunate through uh, COVID where we've, uh, had it offered online. It's normally in person. So there's pros and cons to that because pro is, you know, more people can participate that maybe aren't from, uh, from Colorado, but the con is obviously if you're going to be in circle with people, you want to be in circle with people in person. And hopefully that will happen here soon. But she also offers a lot of other, um, teachings, not just her herbal apprenticeship, but she offers, um, sacred arts and uh she does a lot of classes that are more spiritual based versus just herbalism but i can't recommend her enough and we'll definitely put her information in the show notes as well so you can go give her some love and be a part of her little world because she is amazing (laughs) yay so i guess to round out this whole conversation too i'm curious if you had something in mind, but what kind of teaching can we pull from mugwort from this delightful little herb as per witchin for our listeners? Ooh, this week? That's a beautiful question. Mm. You know, so as part of kind of when I sit down to study with the herbs, I, I kind of go through like all of the senses and I'll do like, you know, what do they smell like? What do they taste like? And one thing I like to write down is what I hear from them. And so I'm actually going to go into my journal here and see what I wrote. Oh, I'm excited behind the curtain. So, oh, I'm going to get a little emotional. Um, (laughs) So what I wrote from what I heard from Mugwort when I sat with her was, Mugwort remembers me as much as I remember her. She is motherly and wants to connect, but will not force it. The power comes from a mutual relationship. Her strongest connection is through dreams and prefers to be invited or called upon to conduct this walk versus it simply being expected. She appreciates being utilized in many ways versus only connecting via one modality. So I think where I'll pull from that is that we are allowed to be multidimensional and multilayered and that those who are going to support us will come to us when we need them and that it's not a, it's not a bad thing to reach out to them um, and to ask for support in that our, our network is always going to be patient with us. So to keep that in mind. Yes. I love that. Take care of your community and your community will yes, take care of you. Beautiful. Oh, I'm going to love these. <laughs> it gets so like emotional talking about plants. <laughs> oh, it's so cute. People are going to love it. We have so many just 
nerdy plant people hanging out in our airwaves. I'm into it. Hmm. Thank you for allowing this, please. (sighs) Yes. Thank you for sharing. I'm excited to see where this grows. Um, There's something else you forgot to mention that I want you to mention before we go, just so people can help support you on this journey too. We have started our way down this little path. Where do they need to find you on Instagram for more herbal knowledge? (laughs) Yes. So I have an alternate Instagram page. So uh, my future herbal business or the entity in which she is becoming is known as Thinning of the Veil Apothecary. And it's really about that intersect between um, science and uh, medicine as we know it, as well as the spiritual and what's behind the veil and that the two can kind of go hand in hand and we embrace the woo, but we embrace the tradition as well. And so you can find me at thinning of the veil dot apothecary on Instagram. Um, and you can also find me on TikTok where I'm going to start sharing a lot more things, um, herbal related, uh, at Tova T O V A dot apothecary on TikTok. Yes. Smash that follow. Love you all. I love you. Cheers. This is so lovely. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks. If you're having a witching good time, we hope you'll help us to grow this little coven. You all know it's us against AI in this algorithm e algorithm world, so please help us out. Please like, rate, and subscribe anywhere you're listening to us. Also, we want to connect with our spooky, Marg-loving friends out there, so please like and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Links for those profiles will be in the show notes. And hey, be sure to tell us what you're drinking tonight. We love you all so much, witches. Cheers. <laughs>